It's so wonderful to see all your faces uh, on a Monday morning. And it's your holiday, right? Holiday observed today, so um, even all the more uh, God sees and honors uh, your faith. You guys are a tip, tip of the spear, uh, the beginning to set us off. I hope that you guys have an incredible fast from today all the way to the 21 days. Um, those here today may not be here at the very end. I hope you are. Uh, but I usually they come in waves. So let's see if you are. You should probably get some sort of award. Um, turn with me this morning to Genesis chapter 1. And we are going to be, you know, kind of timely with a reboot, new beginnings. And uh, what better place to start than in Genesis where it all began. And so turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to read from verse 1. And we won't read the whole chapter, uh, but we'll get through a handful, okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. In verse 6, And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate the water from water. So God made the vault, separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And in verse 9, God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. In verse 10, God called the dry ground land, and, the gather, and gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. In verse 11, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants. And we go on to verse 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the vaults of the sky. Separate them by day from night. And let them serve the signs and mark sacred times and days and years. And then going on to verse 20. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures. And let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the skies. And then going on to verse 24. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock. And then in verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And then if you jump down to verse 29. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts and to all the, uh, of all the earth and of all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that are moving along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And then we know in scriptures that on the seventh day, that uh, God rested. God rested. And so I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited to go through the book of Genesis. Uh, I've been wanting to do this with the church. We're going to go through every single chapter uh, from now through the 21 days. 
And for those of you who come in the early morning prayers, you guys know also that we continue on uh, every Wednesday throughout the year. Um, the last time we did a study on Genesis was almost three or four years ago. Um, so the first thing I want to bring to our attention this morning in the scriptures, in the very first chapter, in the very first verses, the authority and the power that God has. The authority and the power, the dominion that God has, that from his spoken word alone, you know, God created the light. God created the heavens and the earth and the expanses. The power and the authority that God's words hold. And so, if you understand that, think of it in this terms. God, in his ultimate authority and wisdom, in his origin, as the beginning, God is the one that determines. You know, just as he, you know, the words say, you know, there was, there was a void, there was a darkness, and then God spoke light. And now there was a, a divide, there was an expanse, there was a separation. He called one light, and he called one darkness. We understand in the creation account, yes? We, 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 we get that. But not only that, fast forward, you know, thousands of years later, or in however you want to mark the calendar, today, still God determines what is light and what is dark. And what does that mean? God determines what is right and what is wrong. It has always been the case since the origin. You know, as a physical marker of what is light, what he says is light and what he says is darkness, also in morality, also in truth. God, if you have not come to terms with this, and I think it's something every believer, and it's a great place to start, God is the one that determines what is right. And what is wrong? And so, a couple of months ago, I was teaching, uh, uh, you know, on Sundays, and and uh, we have to come into alignment with God's truth, right? We have to come into alignment with with God's thought processes, with with what God said is good. And so, if you think about it, even as a believer, but even as a pre-believer, the whole struggle, the whole the whole barrier to whether or not someone submits, the whole barrier or to whether or not someone you know, follows or believes or trusts, it, it all comes down to, is God good? Is God trustworthy? That's it. I mean, whatever struggle you have in life, you know, in the workplace, you know, in relationships, it all roots in God. Do you believe that God is trustworthy? Do you believe that God is good? And so based on that, I mean, more or less, you're going to be like, well, there's certain things I subscribe and ascribe to God, and the things that I don't know Him in, the things I don't trust Him in, the things that where I, where I you know, uh, had asked and, and maybe He didn't show up, then we fall to a default, which is our judgment. And so that's, that's the battle. The, the Garden of Eden will get there. The whole battle, if, if, I, if I just simplify all of life for you and your relationship with God, the whole battle comes down to my judgment call and God's judgment call. And so it's, you know, the sign of maturity, the sign of spiritual maturity is being able to discern the will of God. Being able to discern what is good and what is right. That's the sign of a mature believer. You know, when, when we don't have this relationship, when we don't have this trust, uh, circumstances and things push us and, and we get frazzled and we make an emotional decision, 
you know, everything could be okay outside, but internally, you guys know how it feels like we're an emotional wreck, right? You know, our judgment, our foundation has been has been shattered, has been shaken. Um, and so I just want to remind us right from the start, from the very first two verses of God's word scriptures, God is the one who said this is light. God is the one who said this is darkness. He's the one that spoke. He's the origin. He has all authority. He has all power from the very beginning. And so in the same way, the things in your life, we don't get to determine what's good and what's right and what's wrong. So a, a mature believer will say things like, God, is, is, are, you, are you in this? God, is this your will? A mature believer will come and contend and pray, no matter how right it feels, no matter how perfect the timing may appear. Ultimately, the believer will come and take and submit everything before God and ask God, is this your will? Is this pleasing to you? I know what I want to do. I know what seems right to me. I know what fits my calendar. But is this pleasing to you? Why? Because you are light. Right? You determine what is truth. And so the believer, for the pre-believer, for the person, the whole battle is whether or not they can, if they have this you know, allotment of, of life, of breath, you know, of, of abilities. The whole struggle for a, a non-believer is whether or not they're going to take all that and transfer it into the hands of God. Right? I entrust myself. I surrender myself. Or, or you know, you entrust or surrender a part of your, you know, idea or, or of your life. And so there's certain, that, and that's why there's, we call it compartmentalization, right? Oh, I believe in God for my salvation. Oh, I certainly believe in God that he's God and that he died for my sins and there's the only way I can get to heaven. Right? And so, so we've put a lot of emphasis on when I die and go to heaven. Right? But the reality is God wants us to have an abundant life here and now. But that part, the unlocking and the release and the actual living out, you know, with peace, you know, you know, you know uh, can you put a price tag on peace over the last couple of years? Right? Can you put a dollar value on emotional well-being, on relational well-being? Absolutely not. Right? Man, you can have all the... You know, material creature, take all that, you know? I mean, if, the, if that does it for you. But really, it's, it's, it's relational, it's, it's internal, it's emotional, it's spiritual peace. Man, you can't put it, you know, uh, uh, you know it all ties into physical well-being and, and all that. Um, and so the whole battle is whether or not you, we go to God, whether or not we trust in God. And so I just, just want to encourage you to remember this morning that God is the you know foundation that God is the source that God is the ultimate has the ultimate say in our lives um, he's the one that determines what is right and what is wrong uh, and so as believers we have to cultivate and come into this place um, that's always the struggle you're, you're probably going through something right this moment that feels good or feels right or timing and circumstances and and the hard part right you know yesterday I was talking about how the the inauguration the you know Jesus God hears Jesus hears God's voice and waited thirty years and you know you are my son well please you know heavens open up anointing of it's like it's ready to go Jesus has been waiting thirty years like I'm good I'm I'm ready to go God gave me the green light right and so how many times ask yourself this question how many times have you felt or perceived that you have gotten God's green light that God has given you a word. And then we make the assumption or jump that that means right now. And yet Jesus was led in the wilderness in the spirit for 40 days to pray and fast. Did you guys see that yesterday? Right? 
It's, it's, you know, how many times have we felt like in our spirit it feels right and we haven't consulted, we haven't asked others to pray, we haven't asked, conf, you know, confirmation, we haven't asked community, we haven't had, you know, for, for prayer download. And because it feels right, because we know for sure God has said it, and so we go out in it, and how many times have we gotten burned? But God said. But God said. Right? How many times have you been burned by, but God said? Right? And even after God said, this is my son, you know, and, and, and this public display of God's favor. I mean, Jesus is ready to go. Boom! The very next verse, he's in the wilderness, praying and fasting 40 days, right? Even if God said it, we better spend some time making sure our identity. God said he's going to bless you with this thing. And it's true, God will. But is our identity and our foundation able to withstand that sort of pressure and that sort of search, you know, uh, situation. If by God's gift that you've been asking for, if he gives it to you and that gift actually destroys you, is it really a gift? The thing you've been asking for, right? So, so two pictures. I'm mature. I, my full identity and reliance is in God. I ask God. And, and I think that's what it means when you ask God according to his will. Meaning your, your sense of self and your sense of worth is already set. There's nothing that can be given or taken that can affect you. You're, you're, you're secure. My, my identity is in Christ, in life, in death. And then you start praying things. And then God releases them. You're not going to be like, oh, I'm, you know, now that I have this, I'm somebody. Now that I have this relationship, I must be meaningful. Now that I have this position or job, now people will... See, as a mature believer, you, you won't say things like that. Right? Because you're already secure. You, you, you are fully known and you are fully loved. Um, you have nothing to prove because you've already been fully approved. But if the thing you're asking for is to build towards your identity, then, then that's where it gets dangerous. That's when, when God may release something into your life. And you, we've seen it all. You know, we've experienced it. Where then by taking that, we actually, it actually causes us to you know, get further from God. The very thing we asked Him for. Right? And so uh, that's always a struggle. The struggle is always you know, aligning with God. That's... That's where the maturity comes in. That's where like, Lord, this looks and feels and sounds and even sometimes what people, circumstances and certain circles and whatnot, you know, echo chambers. But at the end of the day, God, is this your will? That's, that's the struggle. We, we must get into this place. You, you look at these verses and uh, at least uh, six or seven times it says God said, right? The first chapter of Genesis, God said, and then boom, it happened. God said, and then boom, it happened. God said there was a light. God said there was creatures. God said there was animals. The authority of God's word. Whenever you're unsure, whenever you're uncertain, whenever you feel you don't know which way to go, go to God's word. Go to God's word. Go to the scriptures. Ask him for revelation. Um, the second point this morning, um, and we'll you know, bring it to the verses 26, 27, and 28. In verse 26 says, God said, let us make mankind in our image. For those of you who have never heard this before, um, this is the first indication within the first chapter of the whole scriptures of the Trinity or the triune God, uh, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, the word Trinity is not anywhere in the Bible. But all throughout the Bible, there are images and snapshots and pictures and teaching and theology. And when you put all the pieces of the puzzle together, 
This is how theologians and church history have come together to explain uh, uh, the Godhead or the Trinity. And so within the first chapter of the creation account, God said, God said, God said. And then in verse 26, God said, let us make mankind in our image. So if God is the origin, who is he talking about? Let us make mankind in our image. So obviously there's more than one person or, 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 or one, one you know, personhood. Um, and so that's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 1, if you read it, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. Right? It gives another account through revelation scripturally by the Holy Spirit that Jesus had always been there since the beginning. And then later, at a later time, became flesh, God with us, you know, Emmanuel. And so just a great picture. Um, and so God creates us. In his image, in their image, in the image of God, in their likeness. And then what God does is he then gives us the authority. He gives us the dominion. He gives us the, the responsibility. And so, I don't know if you, you know, never heard this before, but, you know, us, like our jobs, work and stuff like that, you know, our, our need to produce, to be productive, this is not a result of the fall. That's, a lot of people think, that, oh man, Adam and Adam and Eve totally screwed it up for us. Because of them, now I have to work, right? Before then, like just fruit fell from the trees right into my mouth. And I didn't even have to chew, you know what I mean? Right, there's M&Ms and candies and chocolate rivers everywhere, you know, Willy Wonka, right? I, I mean, for me, that's what heaven is. I don't know for you guys, right? Um, but that's bad theology. There was work before the fall. There was work before Adam and Eve sinned. God gave Adam and Eve a job, a responsibility. Their job was to cultivate the garden. They had to name and nurture, right, and one another. Um, it just got worse. It, it, you know, after the fall, uh, it just got harder, right? Um, but there's something in us. God made us. We want to produce. We want to be productive. We want to you know, uh, uh, make things, right? And so we're, we're made in God's image in the same way God created, right? In his, in his nature, you know, people ask me this question all the time, why? You know, with all the sin and all the death and all the disease, and then I, I get it, you know, God came to save us through his redemptive plan, but why? Why even go through all that, right? Have you ever thought that? Why even... Like, allow that to happen, happen, you know, all the misery, all, all, the, all the sadness. Um, and, and the way I explain it is, it's, uh, it's very simple, it's just a, a love relationship. Um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they had a perfect relationship, amen? Perfect existence, amen? They didn't need us, do we agree? They were in perfect union, Father God, Father Son, Holy Spirit, whatever perfect love is, they had it. Right? But what happens, very elementary, what, what happens when a guy and a girl, when two people meet each other, right? And they genuinely fall in love and, and, and committed and, and serve and sacrifice and love each other, right? A natural byproduct or an expression of that is a child. A child is a, is a byproduct, it is a natural expression of their love, right? It, the child bears their image. And then the parents love that the child delights in ice cream or running down the hill. You know, you know what I mean? 
Like the, right? So they have this perfect love. And the, the best way I can explain it is, it was so good. It was so good. How could you keep it for yourself? It was so good. It has to be shared. If other people could experience this type of love, it would be amazing. And so they said, let's create man and woman in our image. Let's make a natural extension and expression. And their delight and joy is our delight and joy. And so they said, let's, let's do this. But, but we can't just make robots. I can't just program CPU and the best technology. And every time I touch them or every time I say, I love you, you know, like a robot response, right? That's not love. That's manufactured. Ah, well, how are we going to get around that? Okay, I have an idea. I, I mean, this is my narrative. I mean, they don't, they don't talk like this. <laughs> you know? uh, how about, and I don't think they had to think about it too. I think they already knew, right? Uh, but for our, for our purposes, how about, this might be a little risky, but why not we give them free will, just like us? That, that the, the, it gives them the choice to choose us and love us or not. That, that's, that's how you know if it's real or not, right? And so, you know, I thought this even in my 20s, I was like, man, if only God took the Garden of Eden, the, the, the tree of the knowledge. You know, I understand God's purpose and God's will. I, I don't want to question that, but couldn't we have moved the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to like something 10 times higher than Mount Everest that they could never reach? Then they would never have fallen and we'd be in eternal bliss, right? But not having a choice is no choice at all. To remove the option to not choose God is no, is no choice at all. It's manufactured. So you understand in the scriptures, when he says, let's make them in our image, you understand why. I think I understand why they wanted to share, but to really share that, they had to give free will. And then they already knew, if you give them free will, they're going to screw it up. So then what? I want you to know that before the beginning of time, they already had a contingency plan. I want you to know that before God said, let there be light, that the Trinity, that the Godhead said, we're going to give them free will because we want to give them true love. We want them to experience us. But we're also going to have a... Con the kill shot was thousands of years before you and I ever even existed. They already knew. They already decided before they breathed life that one of them would go and perform the ultimate sacrifice. This, this is God. This is his will. This is what brings the whole narrative together. Why? Because they want to share the expression of their love. How? They give us free will. What's going to happen when they abuse that free will? The son will go and pay the ultimate sacrifice. Um, let's bow our heads. Let's, let's bring uh, uh, worship, worship up. And so this morning, I just want to leave that with you. Just meditate on that. Meditate on that. God knew you before you existed. Before he created, before the accounts that we have, God was already eternal. God already was purposeful. God was eternal love. He wanted to share that love with us. He wanted to give us free will. He already had a plan to bring us back home. What that means is, whatever we think we did to separate ourselves, God already in advance prepared a way for you. Think about that for a second. Whatever you think, we think, we did to separate or to dis, God already, before you even did it, already made a way for you to come back home. So if you think, of it, think about it in those terms, what's holding us back? If God already knew, even before the first words of scriptures were ever shared, and he already made a plan, 
and he knew the stumbling of yesterday. He knows the thing you're stumbling today. And he already knows what's going to stumble you in your next season. Then what is holding us back? At one point when God is walking on the earth, thousands, you know, generations later, God is literally walking on earth in, in Christ Jesus. And he comes to share love. He comes to remind people of, of his character, of, of what God is really like. And um, the religious leaders are in such opposition to him because he's coming against their system, their, their values, their authority. Their authority is not willing to bow down to Jesus' authority. And so, and so when that happens, when, 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 when one entity's authority is not willing to bow down to the authority, Christ, then, then there's pretty much a war. There's, there's a conflict. And the religious leaders are trying to trap Jesus you know, want to get him in trouble with the government, you know, so, so should your followers pay taxes? Should we pay taxes? Right? Knowing that the Jews don't want to pay taxes to their oppressor, you know, politically trying to trap Jesus, put him into a corner, right? And what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say? Right? He says, whose image is on the coin? Give me a coin. Give me a government coin. Whose image is on here? And he says, and they say it's Caesar, right? And Jesus says, "Give to Caesar what is Caesar's." Basically, pay your taxes, okay? Pay your taxes, right? Pay for your roads and your hospital fees, and and be grateful and all and all those things. But then, what does he say next? Right? Give to God what is God's. So if the coin bears the image of Caesar, and so therefore you to give your tax to your government. What about us? What do we bear? What is our mark? We're living temples. We bear the image of God. And so what Jesus is saying, give your taxes to Caesar, but give your lives to God because you bear the image of God in your very being and existence. So give your dues to your government. Give your dues to your, you know, to your job, but give your life to God. And so this morning, I just want to make that simple invitation just come and uh, let's respond in this song and then we'll come back up and uh, hit a whole bunch of prayer points and give you guys some time to pray as well.